and welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tuscan Shed Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover. Sorry, my dog is very, very adorable right now. Oh. <laughs> like, nah. Um, the classic Star Trek series where we discover and or rediscover. The classic show, Deep Space Nine, with me as always is Peter Dancy. How are you, Peter? I'm good. It's good to like it's it's been uh, of course as we mentioned several times with our with our listeners it's it's for them it's like just one week and it's like oh such a long time but for us it's like it's been like a good two two and a half weeks since we last like all saw each other together in recording yeah so it's so it's like yay we're back and plus I have like things to tell like you two about uh about 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 the game from Game Grumps and Vernon Shaw Dream Daddy but we can talk about that later because yes. I have because I have thoughts about this game yeah. and like and like solidly good thoughts too like I, 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 this was like yes it's a dating simulator but it and so it's like kind of you know just like choose your adventure and just kind of go along but how they wrote it i it, it's a solid game i think like legitimately that's awesome and how about you sarah becker i'm i'm doing pretty well i i went and saw valerian last night which um, I won't talk about it too much on here because I think our um, sister podcast, the Movie Gang podcast, is going to record about it. And well, for us, it's a couple of days. But as Peter just addressed, maybe these will come out around the same time because sure. I think Valerian's going to be an evergreen episode. But um, just generally, I liked it. I thought it was good. Good. Very good. pretty. Yeah, and by the same good. people who made the Fifth Element, which is one of my favorite movies, so it's very excited. Movie. Ben's not going to say anything on that, and <laughs> I, Shh. I uh, just got back from Seattle. I, I was in Seattle for a week, uh, seeing my cousin get married. Yeah, awesome because she's uh, she's a hippie marrying a metalhead, so it was very cute yes. to see that, that combo. Awesome. They had a wedding in a barn. And uh, everything was like had its own like special spirit. I had a sip of um, a uh, cognac, I believe, or a bourbon that was made um, by France. It was the first one they made after the liberation of France in 1945. Ooh, from the original nice. first batch, apparently. So I got to taste history. Um, and then I also went to Vancouver where I uh, teased these guys that I, I found out that Vancouver has solved the trans bathroom issue because uh, I went to two different places and they both had the best bathroom setups I've ever seen, which was amazing. Which was, one just had individual rooms, full-on bathrooms with doors and a urinal and a toilet in both. And then uh, the other one was just a place with a communal sink and individual rooms with a toilet in each of them. And there was like five of them. And it was awesome. So I just want to say, well done, Vancouver. You're very, very gay. I give you 10 out of 10. <laughs> I saw rainbow flags everywhere, and I didn't know if that was a Vancouver thing or a gay thing. But either way, well done. You're quite gay. Yay. Yay. 10 out of 10. Clap for Vancouver. So this week, we are talking about Season 5, Episode 9, and Episode 10, which is The Ascent and Rapture. So first up is The Ascent. We begin with Cisco and Rom being excited for the return of Nog to the station on leave from Starfleet Academy. Quark reluctantly brings in a case of root beer, but is interrupted by what else? Being arrested by Odo. Seriously, guys, by this point, it's basically flirting. Odo takes Quark in a runabout to be tried by some Federation grand jury. In the night, Quark discovers an explosive device hidden in the ship. He beams it outside, but it explodes, causing the runabout to crash land on a nearby planet. 
Quark reveals the attack was likely done by the Orion Syndicate for something involving Quark's case. The duo find themselves on a planet with extremely cold temperatures. Plants survive there but are poisonous, so they only have basic rations and warmth to survive. Quark finds a cold weather suit he hogs and a transponder which they will need to place at the top of the highest peak in order to signal a rescue. Quark and Odo bicker on the way up the mountain, with both of them sharing their cold weather suit. After three grueling days, it seems the duo are close to the end, but discover they are another six days away. During their travels, Quark reveals he's not a member of the Syndicate, and Odo realizes Quark is a witness in the case, not a defendant, meaning he was likely trying to get into the Syndicate when he witnessed a crime. Odo mocks Quark for this, and Quark mocks Odo for being obsessed with a nobody bartender. When Quark claims that his body is shutting down from everything Quark likes, Odo decides to push on. Quark and Odo fight over this and they fall down a hill, in the process breaking Odo's leg. Quark offers to carry Odo because, hey, you need something to eat. Quark tries his best but collapses just below the peak. Odo records a final log assuming they both will die, but they are surprisingly transported to sickbay where Worf notes that Quark did manage to send the signal and rescue them both. In sickbay, both Odo and Quark reveal they meant every horrible, mean thing they said to each other during their long voyage. In the B-plot, Nog comes back from the Academy, moves in with Jake, acts like a butthead, they fight, Nog moves out, and Cisco makes them move back in together. What do we think of The Ascent? I mean... I kind of <laughs> like the whole the whole thing just seemed like a little moot to me because it's like okay of course they've hated each other we know that we've known this for five seasons right so to get an episode where like literally their survival dependent on depended on the other was like okay we, like this it was all coming to a head for this one episode this one plot line where it's like we'll both die if we don't actually work together with just the two of us and no one else as a buffer. So I was like, is this needed? I don't know, but it's happening. I agree. This kind of felt like a bit of a filler episode to me with the exception of actually, you know, just a little bit in the B plot of, oh, Nog's back on the station. Right. Right. And even the Nog back on the station was like a classic Nog Jake plot and then it's completely forgettable and can be summed up in one pithy sentence you know what i mean yes like, uh, um yeah yeah pretty similar case on this i, I compare it to uh, an episode of sopranos it reminded me a lot of which is uh, one of the most famous episodes of sopranos and one of the most beloved episodes of the show and uh it's called pine barons it's a brilliant idea for an episode which is that uh christopher and Polly, who are these new york new jersey guys uh take a Russian guy to whack out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, in doing so, they accidentally, they shoot him in the head, but he survives and he runs away. And so then oh. they trace him into the middle. Of, they've driven off to the middle of nowhere to where they think his body won't be found in the middle of the Pine Barrens, which are these forests outside of Pine, New Jersey. And they, when the cast of looking him, their car gets taken and they're stuck out in the middle of nowhere. And so it's just wonderful to watch basically mobsters uh, completely out of their elements and uh, falling apart at the seams uh, when confronted with even the slightest bit of nature. And it's brilliant. And this episode had sort of tinges of that, but it didn't have sort of the 
the better character bickering because I think those two characters were never together that much in the show, which is why it made that episode interesting. Um, and this episode, we've seen so many Odo and Cork episodes right. that it just becomes another Odo and Cork episode versus that one Christopher and Polly episode. And that's kind right. of my take on this because like why that episode worked, I think is that you don't really have those two characters together. They've never been in like a bad situation like that where like, you know, they're stuck in the middle of nowhere together and their interactions become very interesting because of that versus this one it's like all right here we are again i know what's gonna happen <laughs> right and 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 at the end at the end where the two of them like just end up laughing with each other as like the frenemies that we've known them to be both in both for five seasons but also previously when when Bejor was still under Cardassian rule, when they were like, I meant every single word I said. I actually hate you. Me too. And we're all just like, Ugh, really now? I couldn't no guess. <laughs> Although I will say, I am pretty impressed with Quark for um, actually getting up the mountain and that is true. planting the beacon. Except I kept thinking of, uh, of that book, Holes, from yes. ages and ages ago, it's like if you carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Madame Zerodo. Uh, holes, still the best Shia LaBeouf performance in my opinion. Yes, definitely, definitely. He'll, he will Stevens. never top that. No, I, I, I remember. Even Stevens. I, I remember. Um, I, I remember, like it was like a year ago or a year or so ago. I was uh, I, I was looking at this post. It was it was a, it was just a bunch of pictures, and I'm not sure if it was real or fake or whatever. But but how, but how the how the person cap- captioned it uh, was that was that was that Shia LaBeouf was in this theater with a bunch of other people just wa- just watching like a slew of all a slew of a bunch of the movies that he's been in, and so and yeah. so through and so through most of them he's like just like really kind of like serious face like just watching it as a person in the in, in the theater, but then but but then when they were watching Holes his face just lit up he was just like happy times yeah. memories love I'm just it. like exactly exactly no I love that we all I look back that. on that uh, movie with like he did. like fun like fun just like yes that was a movie. So we're not talking about this episode much. Yeah, no, we're not. <laughs> yeah. There are better is things it, in this episode. God. Yeah, I mean, is it just that we're just tired of too much Odo and Quark bickering? I mean, there's never too much. Well, Odo and Quark bickering it needs to happen in, like, individual scenes. Right. But it's it's like, you know, a good spice. Like, you know, you, yeah, you need just yeah. a dash of it here and there, and then it's great. But you don't want to eat an entire bowl of spice. Yeah. No, exactly. That's uh, something that um, Stephen Tobolowsky, who played uh, Ned, Ned Ryerson from uh, Groundhog Day, <laughs> um, he mentions that, like, where he was, like, uh, he went to the director and he's like, I feel like I'm being just a ham. Like, I'm just so ridiculous in this movie. And, like, he's like, you're the spice. You're the spice. It's okay. Spice can be powerful. Spice can be thing. Because you're only in the movie, like, a little bit. You're just, like, yeah, a little bit. And Bill Murray, he can't be the spice. You know, he's got to be the broth. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. got to be, like, yeah. held everything together. So you're right. When you. When you just eat a big bowl of cinnamon, you cough a little bit. Yeah, it, it's, it's like it's like it's like Family Guy when 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 uh when Mc, when McFarlane starts just giving you episodes and like like episodes upon episodes of of like no one but Brian and Stewie, and it's like these two together, like they're great, but we don't need like we don't always need like a full thirty minutes of just these two, like. Like, right. like it's it's more fun seeing like just their banter and watching them comment on everything happening around them rather than it all being focused on just the two of them because it's like what more can a dog and a baby do right right how many times can yeah cork call odo obsessive and 
Odo called Quark a scumbag and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And Quark could be whiny and hate nature and all that stuff. Yeah, it, it was. It was like it was like watching. It was like watching a couple of my a, a couple of guys that I used to know who would always who would always who they would always fire off the same list of 10 insults at each other again and again and again and like I, and I, rem- I remember one night a couple years ago like like it was like the three of us and like some other people just hanging out and we and we were going from like a bar to we we're going like like a bar to this restaurant walking and it was like every five minutes it was just the same few insults to the point that i was i turned around and was like okay unless you're going to say something different shut up and give us five minutes of silence from the two of you <laughs> yeah that's that's understandable well i guess before we should move on, let's quickly talk about uh nog coming back and what we think about uh well actually i had i i had one more sli- slightly related question about the quirk mm. odo storyline where was that filmed because that was oh, really beautiful scenery i felt like you dropped me into horizon zero dawn like i was just looking yes. around for robot dinosaurs it, it did look col- col- colorado-y which is the uh mm-hmm the setting for horizon that's so. a scientific term right yes colorado yeah yes yeah cool colorado and then colorado it's like the family and then the genus you know um production oh i guess the the, the family would be snowy oh got it thank you memory alpha for supplying Ooh. all info uh the outdoor- is it california no uh uh the out the outdoor scenes for this episode were filmed on mount on, on mount whitney so yeah so, so yeah central whitney. california there you go Alrighty. We got mountains too, buddy. Bam. Yep. California's got everything. Pretty much. We do, man. We do. We've got Endor. The uh, and that's where they filmed Endor. It was in the redwoods in mm, California. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Right. So we're all alien planets. We can be them all, <laughs> even yeah, though I know recognize them all now. Mind. Anyway. <laughs> but yes, uh, uh, Nog returns back, and he's a bit of a prick. He's a bit of an army brat now. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. It was okay. It was just whatever, like just Nog and Jake fighting and getting back together kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah it, Nog is a stick up his butt. Jake is kind of a slob and they can't handle each other. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like two. I guess it's a problem. It's just like two odd couples. Like how many odd couples <laughs> can there be? We have the weird trio with Kira and O'Brien and Keiko, um, Keiko but they were not in this episode. No, they were not. No, no. No, I, I still need to read some kind of fan fiction that makes them into like a full couple because oh my God. Just so fascinating. I, I, this is the one time where I where 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 I am not going to Google that because I don't want to know, even though I t- know it exists, but I don't want to see it. Right. Uh, no, but I still ship the three of them more than I ship Dax and Worf. Oh, just saying. No, Damn you! That one. Episode. That one episode yeah, made it, me it really totally mad. Totally ruined it. Totally ruined it. All right, well, I think we've had enough uh, for the ascent, so let's move on to Rapture, unless there's anything else you want to say. No, nah, nah, there's, there's just, not a whole lot to say. Yeah, Nog is just real. Nog is really into being. Is really into being. Oh, I didn't even dad. look up my notes. Wait a minute, I took notes. I watched this episode ages and ages ago, sure so I forgot that yeah. I took notes. But yeah, Nog is just really <coughs> into being a cadet, and he's gung-ho for a little too much because he's i did i did have a quick turnaround on space barbells where first i was like space barbells and then i was like oh, you can adjust weight and gravity that's actually kind of cool to only have one barbell actually yeah that makes sense I, I'm, I'm down yeah. for that total space saver all right mm-hmm. sarah says a finger up what's up sarah yes um 
this is my very first note. I think um, Quark was trying to get somebody, maybe it was Odo, to read like erotica, basically. <laughs> yes. And he, uh, he mentioned one called Vulcan Love Slave. <laughs> I want to read Vulcan Love Slave. <laughs> that is all. <laughs> Well, you know what I want is something I just found out about, which is apparently Kim Cattrall on the set of uh, Star Trek Four. She uh, posed nude with only her Vulcan ears on. What? And uh, apparently Leonard Nimoy was the one who took pictures of it and then decided it was a bad idea. They ever leaked out, so he <laughs> tore them up. <laughs> oh, my God. Probably for the best. So that happened once. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is a thing. I love it. Probably uh, not the first time such a thing has happened on the set of Star Trek. Oh, or involving just maybe the most publicized. Ne- <laughs> <laughs> uh, this episode's off the rails. <laughs> Next episode <laughs> is Rapture, Season 5, Episode 10. We begin with Dax weirded out with how much Kira and Sisko are fan-personing over an ancient Bajoran painting that shows the lost city of Bahala. Kira notes that the myth says that those touched by the prophets could be able to see and find the lost city. Later, when looking over a scan of the painting, Sisko notes that the spire in the middle could be recreated in three dimensions. He studies the symbols and markings all night in a hollow suite, but when Quark finally kicks him out and Sisko goes to save the program, he is hit by an energy field and knocked out. Bashir finds nothing wrong with Sisko other than a hypersensitivity to stimuli. Jake, be- Jake makes Ben a big meal to celebrate that Cassidy Yates is finally coming home from her prison sentence of being a smuggler for the Maquis. However, Ben is more distracted by creating shapes in his food. He close encounters! The- <laughs> I know, there's <laughs> I'm gonna have so many close encounters references. Um, <laughs> he learns that the Federation has accepted Bajor's admittance, and now the Bajoran government wants to sign the papers aboard DS9. Kira celebrates in Quark's bar and goes to find Sisko to celebrate, but finds Ben in a catatonic state on the floor in the hollow suite near the spire. Kira, afraid, shakes Ben out of a state of patimphar. My apologies to the Bajoran listeners. That a religious vision. Right <laughs> a religious vision that allows one to understand all things. Kira apologizes for interrupting it, but O'Brien pulls Kira away to meet a visitor, Kai Wynn. Ooh. This Kai bitch. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think in my notes I have hashtag this bitch. Yeah. Hashtag yes, this bitch. Kai is there to witness the signing, but she is not in favor of Bajor being admitted to the Federation. Cassidy arrives and Ben is delighted, showing no anger for her previous actions. He asks her to come with him to Bajor. On the planet, they enter a cave and soon discover the actual ruins of Bahala. Kai Wynn admits to Kira she now, for the first time, believes Sisko is the emissary and wishes to follow him. On Bajor, Sisko's commanding officer, Admiral Watley, chews him out for focusing on this religious experiment and not the Federation Bajor Alliance, and he demands a full medical investigation. While waiting for him, Bashir and Watley see Sisko move through a crowd on the promenade like a prophet. He stops at Watley and tells him that his son forgives him for their fight. Watley in shock notes he didn't tell anyone about his issues with his son. Sisko notes to Bashir that he can hear voices and has seen a vision of locusts moving from Bajor to Cardassia. Bashir discovers Sisko's increased visions are killing him. He can surgically save him, but the voices will stop. Sisko refuses, and even Jake and Cassidy can't convince him to go through with the operation. Kai Wynn helps Sisko use the Orb of the Prophets, and then she goes to the signing ceremony. 
During the event, Cisco bursts in, claiming that Bajor must not join the Federation, that it must be independent or die, and then he collapses. Watley orders Bashir to operate, but he leaves the decision to Jake, who decides he needs his father more than his father needs his visions, and the surgery is done. Wynn is disappointed that Jake removed the visions, but Bajor has indeed pulled out of the Federation. Sisko awakens, devastated he can no longer hear the voices, and that he was so close to perfect enlightenment. Watley demands Sisko tell the Bajorans he was wrong, but Sisko refuses, as he believes what he heard in his head was right. At home, Sisko notes he has lost some part of himself, but Cassidy and Jake notes that he has still kept a family. What do we think of Rapture? Yes. No, it's very, very uh, close encounters. When he started uh, making the shapes and the mashed potatoes, I'm like, are you serious? Yeah, I was like, are we yeah. doing this now? Okay. <laughs> we are doing this. Cool. Right when it's the 40th anniversary when we're uh, recording this. So. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Yeah, they're doing a big 4K re release, so check your local uh, theaters, yes. YouTube, because it'll probably be out of theaters by the time you guys are here. Um, yeah, yeah, we might do an evergreen or something on that because uh, good reason to go watch that movie again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was even down to the fact that a dad was going to like leave his family for the otherworldly power. Yeah. Uh, right. This time in death rather than going off of the aliens, but you know, sort of similar idea of like, I want to know so many things. Fuck mm-hmm. my family. I choose <laughs> the aliens or the visions or whatever over my family. Yes. Besides being a close encounter, uh, homage, what did you guys think of the episode? I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I, it was. It was interesting. genuinely interesting and suspenseful and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I really liked it as well. Um, it's an interesting concept. The show seems to do interesting things with faith, which I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm one of those atheists obsessed with religion. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yes. And I feel like this showrunner might be as well because um, he started hitting similar buttons. And I think it's an interesting idea of. Uh, of 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 martyrdom through psychosis or mm-hmm. you know personal sacrifice or something like that i'm curious if there's any sort of bible stories that reminds you guys of because you're maybe more up um, on it than i am i can't think of any off the top of my head but surely at least one exists i can't someone either. being driven slightly crazy by god well john the baptist arguably i was thinking of john the baptist he lived yeah. in the desert and ate locusts and stuff yeah yeah I mean, I mean, but I, I mean, like, I can't. Either. He wasn't driven crazy, but, uh, but, but, but the, but the Old Testament story of Joseph, uh, who interpreted dreams, like, he didn't go crazy. Like, he actually, like, I, I, he was like, his interp, him interpreting dreams saved like millions of people from like famine and shit. So, but, right. So, I mean, I right. can at least think of that story. Um, yeah. No, I, I just remember watching this. I remember watching this episode, and like I, I, I took I took notes about it. I took notes about it. Um, when 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 uh when Admiral Watley went to go find uh Cisco, and he and he was sitting in the cavern uh with he was sitting in the cavern with the spire, and he and he was just like, this is stupid, this is crazy. And in my and and in my in my mind, watching him thinking, it's like, um, you're in space. Uh, st- much stranger things have happened over the course of not just DS9, but TNG and TOS and and soon Voyager. So, which of course they wouldn't know about because they were like way the hell over here, over in left field, trying to get back home. But it's, it's like, but it's like, so it's so it's like you shouldn't completely 
discount what Cisco is saying. You should be like, okay, I don't believe it, but clearly something is happening here. So I'm going to take my understanding with a grain of salt and like just kind of go along for the ride and see what happens. But it's like how we how we came was just like, this is dumb. Cut it, like, shut it down. It's like, you might want to take a moment, sir. <laughs> right. No, I thought it was weird too. Yeah, it's like you just found like an ancient religious lost city he found atlantis like, like with yeah, the man like, like yeah. out of nowhere <laughs> yeah yeah and it's not even atlantis it's 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 bigger than atlantis i'm trying to think of like a religious um example maybe like the place of the holy grail or something like that something like that yeah. yeah like yeah like he straight up found the holy grail man like it's a big deal uh especially for like this entire planet that you want to uh unify with the federation you can't mm-hmm. just be like you know waste of time yeah i'll be really interested to see how this plays out in terms of bajor benefiting from not being a part of the federation yeah that's what intrigues me right and sort of interestingly the person with the most character development was kai win in this episode yeah Uh, sort of interestingly so let's talk about that first off we learn a very interesting piece of uh bit do you want to talk about that peter about what we learned about her backstory oh kai win uh god i I didn't exactly. I didn't exactly take notes of this. Um, okay, I got yeah, it. Thank if you, you. If you don't want, you want me to catch up. Um, so basically, she reveals that uh, you know Kira makes up thinking like, "Oh, you're finally like you know getting your hands dirty or something like that." And she was like, uh, "Actually, I was in a Cardassian prison for five years during the occupation, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I had to like survive on my faith. You people had violence and things to look forward to, and all I had was like the faith that one day the prophets would save me from this torture." And I might be here for the rest of my life, you know. So I thought that was a pretty interesting mm-hmm. way of giving Kaiwen a little bit more humanity. Bajor Bajoranity. Whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I did more personality. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't like no, I didn't note the five years and five years in a Kardashian camp, but I but I, I wrote the I wrote the note. I was like, did I just have sympathy for Kaiwen? Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, did they just do that? How dare they? And then by the end, we're like, she's she's talking about how she's like lost now, yeah. Because like mm-hmm. she was gonna follow him with the visions, but now he doesn't have that. But now she believes he's the emissary, and she has no idea what that means, you know. So I thought it was interesting to see. What do you guys think Kaiwen's gonna do now? She's I don't know. Lost. I still I'm still hesitant to totally trust her. Um, Same. But maybe yeah. she'll at least, you know give cisco a second thought right if he has an opinion on something yeah she's i i feel i feel like she is now inching closer now that this has happened she is now inching closer to being on doing on not maybe not the same but like similar footing that kira is with how with how she reveres cisco both at both as like you know a friend boss and emissary um where it's like where it's like you just kind of have faith and believe because of everything that's happened and stuff and stuff that and stuff that Kira has witnessed. So Kaiwen is like, okay. So, like y'all said, Kaiwen is like, okay, maybe there is actually something to this. Maybe I have been going about this the wrong way, and I've been thinking too much about me personally rather than what do the prophets want? Because when she brought up when she brought up to Kira, like you know, like I was going by my faith for all those years that I was that I was in prison. It's like. You kind of have to go back. She, I think she feels that she kind of now has to go back to that and just f- figure out what the, what in the world is going on. Yeah, yeah. Even though she's the Kai, you know, that sucks yeah. to be 
sucks to be the pope and not have a crisis of the... faith when you're yeah you know, basically the pope which yeah, honestly, exactly. I think, which honestly, I think it's, I think it's total. I think I feel like that's something that's totally normal. Like I don't think that, I, I, I don't think that you can be in any kind of high ranking. I guess is the right word to use. Um, higher position, like in, in like the whole hierarchy, hierarchy of whatever your religion is, and mm. not have something happen once you've reached that point, to like either make you question your faith or strengthen your faith you know like i, I feel like that's something that that is not that would naturally happen so that your faith does get stronger right right and it'll be interesting to see if it if it does for her if she sort of collapses back into her old schemey ways god i hope not <laughs> of, yeah yeah i mean certainly it was getting uh um oh, i feel bad well who's the guy who died i'm sorry my um vedic uh, Barile. yeah vedic yes, Barile. having vedic Barile flashbacks uh, Same. Where she was still like pushing a guy to like do something, even though it was clearly killing him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because for her own gains, you know. Yeah. I, I I feel I feel though I feel though that at least in this instance there was at least a bit of a tinge of like a, a bit tinge of like greater of um what's the, benefit for all rather than just benefit for self. Like like I guess I guess it was in the similar vein like kill yourself so that we can get this shit done, but it, but it was still like. I am now. I am now no longer thinking of myself. Like stuff has happened, and you know, you clear. Like at least part of you is clearly here for us, rather than just floating in the sky above our planet, running things. Yeah. Yep. So let's talk about uh, Cassidy. How did you feel about her coming back, and how she came back? I was legitimately happy. I wasn't expecting them to like. So I wasn't. I wasn't expecting so for for them to so. At least for um, Cisco to so quickly be like, "Hello, let's go, let's, let's go, let's go on a trip." But I, w- I was definitely, I was definitely happy for her, for her to be back. Be- that was one of my, that was one of my notes. So that's almost like a sitcom joke. Where <laughs> was just like, she's like, "Oh my god, I'm so glad you're back." You are? Do you have free time? Yeah. Let's go to find ruins. Right. Oh. <laughs> like, oh. Okay, never mind. Insert laugh track here. Right. 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 Exactly. <laughs> and then she gets dragged away, like, uh, roll her She's eyes. Like, what? <laughs> um. Yeah, it was good to see her back, though. It definitely felt like classic Star Trek. Um, reset the timeline, you know, kind of thing. Where it's like, she's back. <laughs> you know she's and yep. then by the end of the episode she's telling him like you have to stay alive i'm like you've been here for six months you know what i mean like it's one of those classic star trek things where it's like all right she's back on the show so she's totally 100 percent back on the show you know there's not gonna be like an episode reintroducing her or whatever right. you know it's just mm-hmm. like you're back there she is all right great which i found very interesting it's a classic sort of as we've mentioned continuity thing that these old star trek shows have where they're just like it's continuity. She was in jail. Yeah. She definitely did this thing. Time has passed. But like in terms of the character, it's like, okay, no time to waste. We got forty minutes. Let's go. Yeah. Yes. This is not peak TV. We got forty minutes. Let's go. To Atlantis. Yes. Let's go find Atlantis. Which is the other funny thing about this episode where they found Atlantis and that wasn't the big part of the episode. Yeah, it wasn't. That was yeah. just like a side note. That that was just by the, the way. Yeah, we found Shangri La, but you know, but, yeah. but it's not Shangri. It, it's, not, it's, not, it's not Shangri La, and, and it's not. It's not even the journey getting to Shangri La. It's the journey of what. It's the journey of getting back there. Yeah, it is. It is. It's about. It's about once you've met the close encounter aliens, they don't leave you alone. <laughs> they still yeah. want stuff from you. <laughs> hey, 
Hey, Cisco. What? We have <laughs> things to say to you. A lot of things. <laughs> I hope there's that. There, I hope there was just that guy walking by. He's like, his son is sick. <laughs> Her dog just died. <laughs> like she's just like walking by, like pointing out stuff. Yes. No. She um, wore blue yesterday. No. Uh. Uh. uh God. I, I. I cannot remember the characters at all because it's been so long since I've seen that movie. But um. De- but Devil. Devil Wears Prada. Cisco. Cisco. C- C- Cisco was Meryl Streep's character, and like, and like yeah. whatever spirit voices was Anne Hathaway's characters. Like they're like this is so and so. This was going on. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> nice to see you. That's why he was so upset at the end. He was just like, I need my helper back. Yes. I don't know. Remember anyone's name. God, I love Devil Wars Prada. That's such a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything else to say for Rapture? Mm. Let me look at my notes nah. one more time. Okay, actually, I, I I do I do have a thought, and it, I I don't think this was in any way intentional on like on the on the writers, cast, or crew, whatever. But just and I think I kind of mentioned it before, but it just it was emphasize a little to me uh, when when they were when they were in Bahala in front of the spire uh, just two black men talking and one and one and two black men talking yeah. and one of them admiral watley looking at Cisco and saying stop being the stereotypical magic black man <laughs> 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 like that like i was watching that and i was just like oh lord <laughs> it's going oh, this is a thought funny. that only i would have that's really funny at least at least he's well I guess that's a question, Peter. Is he helping Kira out? Like, it's always like the black magical black guy helps the white person get better at being white. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if he's helping out Kira as much. No, I. I, I don't know. It's on the edge. I don't know. Right. No. I like, it, it's, it. I don't. It's not like blatant or anything, and I don't think it was in any way intentional. But it's just like, right. It's just like, just like that slight bit of suggestion, just be, just because I am aware of the trope. I'm just like, I yeah. can't mm-hmm. help but I can't help but make at least some kind of half-assed comparison to it. Also, if you guys haven't seen the the Key and Peel sketch where two magical black characters have a wizard fight, it's one of the funniest what? things I've ever seen. How did I not know about this? It's great. It's like some guy's like getting fired, and like you know, an old janitor comes in. He's like, "Let me help you with that," and like does something <laughs> dumb. And then like another guy who's like a plumber comes in and does the same thing. They're like, "I'm helping this white man." <laughs> and then, like, they fight over him. It's hilarious. Oh my god. Oh, it's great. Oh, I miss Key and Peel so much. So much. They're the best. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, did you have any notes there? No, nothing in particular. We got everything. All right, cool. Well, that has been our episode. Next week, we'll be discussing Season 5, Episode 11 and Episode 12, which are The Darkness and the Light (laughs) and The Begotten. As always, I want to thank my lovely co-hosts for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meatshield. Our awesome artwork is by Joe Bowen. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like the show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It helps new listeners discover our show. Until next time, this is the crew of Geekspace 9 signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.